0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great That can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day. We should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life, be a good father, help other people, accomplish something of significance, make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and Roll Tide.
2: Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992 winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers he is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history 35-2-1 and member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show joining him is Lars Anderson New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama, live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show.
3: Uh, this is kind of what you get in November, not like we had uh, two weeks ago when you could have played golf in a
4: t-shirt. So anyway, Lars, what's up in your world? Man, it's... Um, ah, sorry, my mic was a little hot there. Uh, yeah, things are going great. Um, it feels like football weather. It feels like, uh, yep. you know, we're winding the college football season down. Uh, the NFL season is at the midway point. And that's kind of where I want to start uh, with Christian. Um, Your biggest surprise so far of the NFL year, Christian, uh, as you look across the league. um, And and to me, I'll just offer this up really quick. This is not really a surprise, but I'm I'm very happy for this young man, and that's Tua. I think he has erased all doubts that he can be an upper-level quarterback.
5: No he really Not has sure if- you know he's done a really good job um, you know re- definitely responding to injury you know we, we saw some tough scenes um, with him suffering you know it looked like two concussions, but one confirmed, but man, he has just been he has been putting those balls on the money he's been you know throwing his receivers open, and uh, he's proved a lot of people wrong you know going into the season he had uh, faced a lot of criticism. They say he couldn't throw the deep ball. They say he wasn't as accurate um, as as everyone said he was. But he's just gone into this season and proved a lot of people wrong. And he's really led that Miami team to looking like they could
3: potentially make a run for a Super Bowl. Can I be devil's advocate here? Yeah, sure. Is it something we will be deal? We will deal with game to game with Tua the remainder of his career? Is he is he to me? And I'll, I'll word this: down, he j- he's not injury prone. I just don't know if he has one of those bodies. He, he doesn't have a Brady body where he can go through it all. Um, I just wonder, Lars, are Miami Dolphin fans
4: going to have to worry about him every time he's in the pocket? Well, I, I hope not. Um, but that, that it remains to be seen. I mean, the, the facts are the facts and that he's been injury prone. And even in Alabama. Yes. But you know what I really... Like is what Mike McDaniel has done Christian, and he has basically implemented the Alabama system uh, for the offense, and he's so good at those rpos at at at, at making those throws between the hash marks mm-hmm. and um, you know he he still has struggled a little bit with the deep ball and and Tyreek Hill has 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 said that that you know uh that that he hasn't been you know hitting stride or whatever but i mean Tyreek Hill is off the charts and at the time i did not think that was a good trade for Miami that they gave up way too much for a wide receiver but he's absolutely changed that team and uh and it, it i mean correct me if i'm wrong Christian, but it seems like having Tyreek Hill there And the threat that he brings, it just opens up the rest of the field for these guys. And uh, are are you seeing the Alabama offensive system that Tua played at in Tuscaloosa uh, now with the Dolphins?
5: Yeah, I think it definitely looks very similar. And uh, it's a, a perfect system for Tua um you see um they they implement a lot of creative things pre-snap and they put those guys in a lot of great positions i mean you have two of the fastest wide receivers in the nfl and jayden jaylen waddle and and uh tyreek hill and those guys they they all just work together seamlessly and uh Tua makes all the throws and uh, like you said th- th- there is you know some inconsistencies inconsistencies with the deep balls every now and then but I mean it's probably kinda of tough, you gotta to think about it. Man, those guys are so fast. I can only imagine <laughs> it's probably not easy putting it right on the money with uh, the speed that those guys have. But yeah, it does look very similar, um, to some of the Alabama offense that he ran while he was here. Um, like you mentioned the RPO game. But if you if you watch them, you know, Mike McDaniels just does a really good job of just making a lot of the plays look the same, but running a lot of different plays out of those uh formations. Um, just a really brilliant offensive mind. And uh, he definitely puts Tua in a really good position to succeed.
3: I want to go the other way. Uh, I want to talk about how you defend a team with two world-class sprinters um, at, on each side. <laughs> uh, I mean, these guys can flip and fly. Christian, did you ever play against anything close to that uh, at Alabama or in the NFL? And if you're a defense, uh, what, how do you stop that?
5: Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of, you know, too many people specifically. I mean, I practiced against Jalen Waddell um, for a number of years, but the the best thing you can do is just um, respect that deep threat and just make sure your, your secondary guys are prepared for that and, and they are playing it the right way. But, you know, another thing that obviously helps is being able to affect the quarterback and put pressure on them. Um, trying to get back there as fast as you can. That way he doesn't have time to sit back there and let those guys just run free down the field. You know, you also get a little bit of help when you have guys underneath um, rerouting uh, these uh, wide receivers. That way they're not free releasing and just running, sprinting down the field. Because um, if you do that, I mean, those guys, are they're, they're out of there. I mean, it, it, you, you see it every week. I mean, these guys are just blazing, blazing fast, and they're just burning their, their uh, DBs. It doesn't matter if it's some of the best cornerbacks. I mean, it's almost impossible to stop these guys if they're not – getting uh, any reroutes um, you know on, on the line of scrimmage but man it's, it's tough Matt you just have to do the best you can to make sure your DVs are playing with depth and then hopefully your pass rush can can get
4: home before those guys really just get downfield Aided with uh, Mike McDaniel the head coach of the Dolphins and uh, I don't think there is a coach in the NFL who looks less like head coach than mike mcdaniel but you know he uh he's he's he's, he's 5'9 180 which is about my uh, statistics right there uh but he he went to yale uh played wide receiver there at yale and was a history major so you know the dude is smart um and then really he's been sort of a, a protege of, of mike and kyle shanahan and i know he implements a lot of the same concepts of uh of of, he's sort of in the Mike Shanahan coaching tree and and now Kyle Shanahan, I guess. But um, I I was surprised when they hired him. But I think, um, Christian, he he does what every good head coach uh, 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 implements, and that is not force his own system onto his players. Rather, he looks at the skill set of his players and specifically Tua – And, you know, I think Tua gets the ball out of his hands, uh, out of his left hand, quicker than pretty much every quarterback in the league. Uh, I don't have the exact, like, the the number in front of me, but it's something right around, like, two seconds. I mean, it's it's fast. He gets the ball, and it's out. And that's one way to prevent him from injury, but also just the, the, the routes that he's throwing. I mean, what Tua does best is timing and accuracy, anticipation, it's the kind of stuff you can't teach, and you know I remember working uh, on the, on that book, uh, the Quarterback Whisperer, with Bruce Arians, and Bruce he was emphatic about this that by the time you are essentially a about a a, a, a sophomore in college, you either have these traits of accuracy and timing and 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 precision, pers- pers- or you don't. And and, and and to Bruce, who has groomed so many quarterbacks over the years, from Peyton Manning uh, to you know working with Brady at the end of his career, uh, and, and Ben Roethlisberger, and, and uh, Andrew Luck. And if you go back and look at all their stats, they have their best career years were with Bruce. And Bruce always emphasized, Christian, the number one thing I want in my quarterback— is accuracy and, mm-hmm. and timing and, and being able to throw receivers open, and and McDaniel just seems to have really, you know, examined Tua's skill set and catered and created his whole offense around that.
5: Yeah, Lars, he, he has. And, and another another interesting thing uh, too about the Dolphins right now is that they're very balanced. And uh, I was watching a breakdown on the Pat McAfee show, and they were just explaining how. Uh, Miami just does a really good job of setting up their run plays by, you know, creating different looks and uh, putting guys in certain positions. And, you know, the running game always will open up the pass game. And I think um, you have to look at how well the offense line is done um, to protect Tua for the most part, um, which that plays a huge part as well. And just overall, the offense is just very efficient. And it all ties in together nicely to to create a very nice running game. And then that sets up the RPO game for Tua to hit those quick slants. And then when you want to uh, go deep, they set it up with the play action sometimes. They just do a really nice job offensively, and uh, it's exciting to watch, and I'm really glad that Tua's having success in that system.
3: Christian Miller along with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, as uh, we bring you this show. We're from Crawford, from Tide, and bringing it to you right here on the Jay Barker Radio Show and Network. And when we get back, let's open it up. Let's go back. Let's talk about a little bit about Auburn. What are you all hearing lately as far as uh, who's going to be their next head coach, and is, is uh, Cadillac going to get the keys?
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the ABX Studios in downtown Birmingham.
0: Don't miss a play at the Sportsbook at Pearl River Resort, your front row seat to all the action. Place bets on all professional and most college sports. For tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 50. The high Friday at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: and Lars, and Christian Miller, and Mick Jagger. A lot has been stirring around, not just in the state of Alabama, which we normally talk a lot about Alabama and Auburn football, but Auburn's grabbing a lot of national headlines, and uh, Carnell Williams is certainly, uh, he's typing some pretty bold ones here because uh, of what he did this, the Mississippi State game, which they really could have won, and then the way he handled Texas A&M. Uh, Lars, what? Give me your vote here. You were a Hugh Freeze guy. I was a Hugh Freeze guy, but it's uh, it's kind of wide open now.
4: Yeah, um, I still think the smart money is on Lane Kiffin. I would put it at about fifty fifty, uh, and uh, there there has been one name that has popped up. Uh, that uh, I think is absolutely a little crazy, uh, and that is uh, Clemson's Dabo Sweeney. And I mean, unless there's something that I'm not aware of, um, and and Matt, you know this, you helped me with the book. I just my last or my second to last book was on Dabo, and Dabo loves it at Clemson. Uh, and, and unless there's something going on behind the scenes at Clemson with the athletic department. Uh, I can't imagine this uh, is given the fact that he is a Alabama guy. Uh, he grew up an Alabama fan. He walked on at Alabama. He, uh, you know, won a national championship with Jay at Alabama, and and um, I, I still don't think he's ever going to come back and be the coach at Alabama. I think Dabo is going to retire. At Clemson, but that is just a name that has been thrown out there. Uh, but I, I still think that it, it, it's Lane, and this uh, the decision is going to be by uh, made obviously by the new athletic director John Cohen, um, and you know he is consulting with uh, the Auburn president Dr. Chris Roberts, and what they're doing has been really sort of spectacular in that they are keeping this close to the vest. They, there aren't a lot of sort of well-informed rumors out there. there are, are, are well, There's not a lot of reporting being done on this because these guys are keeping their mouth shut. And uh, this is going to be uh, uh, Cohen's uh, call, and this is going to be the most important hire of his career at Auburn. And it will probably uh, dictate, uh, depending on how it goes, how long he will be at Auburn. If it's a if it's You're a wild so right. if it's a wild success, uh, John Cohen's gonna be the A D at Auburn for a long time. If it's not a wild success, he won't be at Auburn for a long time. But I, I think the smart money Christian is on is still on Lane Kiffin.
5: No, I agree hundred percent and I think it just makes the most sense, you know, given his experience and um, you know I think he'd just be a really good fit there. And uh, you made a really good point, you know, with you know Cohen you know worrying about his rep, uh, reputation it is a little risky to try to give someone like Cadillac Williams that that head coaching job I mean it is cool to see you know all the Auburn players rallying behind him I've, I've seen a lot of Auburn guys tweeting out their support for Cadillac Williams but overall I think I think it's just a no-brainer I think you almost just have to you have to give it to Lane Kiffin if that's the job that he wants and then and it's looking like they're willing to do what they need to do to get him in that position as head coach um, for the Auburn Tigers
3: what well, part of this I don't think we're talking about is how bad does Ole Miss want him? I mean, you know, if Auburn really is going to pony up twelve million, what if Ole Miss says, "Well, you know, we can't quite get there, but we'll give you ten and you're sleeping in your same bed again? Because let's face it. Lane Kiffin has a chance to – well, last year he gave them 10 wins, which they'd never done before. But he may give them 10 wins in the regular he, season for the first time had, in the
4: history of the Rebels program. This is the best start they've had since Johnny Vaught was their head coach, for goodness sakes. And this is this is doing better than uh, when they had Archie Manning, you know. And if you go back, by the way, and, and look at clips at Archie Manning at Ole Miss, it just blows your mind. It blows your mind. He just – His rushing touchdowns per season
3: was just eclipsed by the Ole Miss running back. I mean, and yeah, you want to go? Let's go right now. I'll go down, pull some film somewhere, and watch Archie Manning all day long. He was a phenomenal quarterback. And let me tell you something, in my opinion, even with the – advances in athleticism on the other side of the football. But the guys like Christian Miller really didn't exist in the late 60s. <laughs> but I swear he'd still be great.
4: He would still be – defenses would be gone. How did he get away? Yeah, and uh, he, he was just so special and, and dynamic on the field. And, and again, I, I I hate keep touting my books, but I wrote a book on the Manning family. And the fact that he dealt with his dad's suicide – As he was a college student and he was the one who found his dad, who took his own life, took a shotgun to his chest, and Archie cleaned up that whole mess sort of before – uh, uh, the police arrived and and uh and, and just and, and made it sort of made his dad look dignified and he told his mom and sister, who were at a uh, i believe they're at a wedding and Archie left the wedding early to come home for some reason i, I can 't remember why, but he ended up he found his dad and he told his mom and sister, "Do not come home, do not come home." And so he spared his mom and sister the, the horror of, of, of seeing that. But larger point is he was dealing with so many things off the field and, um, and, and, and it was just absolutely spectacular. He was able to compartmentalize personal life, personal tragedy from football. And also his dad uh, never told him that he loved him. And after Archie found his dad, he told himself, if I ever have kids, I'm going to tell them I love them every single day. And that's what he did with Peyton. That's what he did with Cooper. That's what he did with Eli. And now you look at those three and what great fathers they've become, and that is a testament to Archie. Um, and and I, I don't know, Matt, is there a, a quarterback in, in college football that reminds you? Of uh, Archie Manning, wow! Right now, uh, who's oh, so just, just that run pass threat uh, and just uh, a, a great leader. I mean, I'd almost—he he wasn't as athletic as Michael Vick at, at Virginia Tech. I mean, didn't have that kind of speed, but that he certainly had that elusiveness. What always
3: amazed me about him is that he—he would—he was not afraid. The most poor quarterbacks will start running laterally, okay, they'll you know, sideline to sideline when they're scrambling. He was not afraid to go 15, 20 yards back, and then he'd end up making a spectacular play. In that regard, he reminds me a little bit of Fran Tarkington, but Fran Tarkington didn't have near his speed or his stature or his arm strength. But every once in a while you'll see Bryce do it. Uh, Bryce will go backwards, but rarely does he go backwards and lose 10 more yards because – it's all on this, and I think this is true with running backs and wide receivers and quarterbacks, because I think if you did some kind of survey, some kind of test about vision and peripheral vision, those athletes, I, I think they see back of their ear hole. Uh, Christian, how big is vision, particularly at the positions I just mentioned?
5: Oh, it's huge. Um, you, you have to see the whole field, and uh, when you're making your reads, it's important that you keep your eyes downfield, but you're able to, you know, and you have to at the quarterback position you know you have to be able to see the rushers coming at you and and you have to feel them out and you have to just, at the same time be able to look at your targets downfield and if that guy's not open be able to adjust and, and move your eyes to the next target so vision is huge and and it's really like that at almost every position even at linebacker you know your eyes are so important or or whether you're a defensive back in coverage um you know you're always reading keys and reacting off of of your eyes and what you're seeing And uh, a lot of guys get messed up when they have bad eyes. So you you make a great point. You know, your vision is so critical uh, in order to be a successful football player, Matt.
3: How good is yours? <laughs> you know, well, on the, on, you done the eye chart here recently?
5: Hey, hey, hey! On the field, I have I have great vision. I would say, you know, I feel like that was one of my uh, my strong points was that I was able to kind of see. We always had a saying: it was see a little, see a lot, see a lot, see a little. Meaning, you know, sometimes you're you're trying to see too much. Sometimes you really just need to hunker down and focus on what's in front of you. But I will say, Matt, off the field, uh, my vision is not the best. I think my left eye might be like twenty eighty. Luckily, my right eye is 20-20. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And my right eye is 20-20, so it does uh, the majority of, of my sightseeing, so that helps me out. But, yeah, off the field, Matt, my vision is not the best, but on the field is pretty good
4: it's interesting that you you mentioned that 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 you, you see a little you you see a lot you see a lot you see a little mm-hmm. I, I've heard coach saban say that for so long can you can you kind of just break that down what that means for uh for you as a as a as a linebacker and and also say like a, a defensive back mm-hmm. yeah so
5: a basic explanation that would be say i'm I'm playing linebacker specifically at, i'm at outside linebacker and um, you know, if I'm seeing a lot, that would maybe I'm trying to look at the whole picture. I'm trying to see my tackle in front of me, see the, the, the running back, says, see the ball, see what the quarterback's doing all at one time, right? But that's seeing a lot, which is going to make me see a little because I'm trying to focus on so much that I don't really have a true focus on one particular thing. Versus if I'm seeing a little, that would mean okay, I'm going to keep my focus primarily on my, my key, which would be my tackle. I want to see him specifically and I might perif behind him but my focus is, is on him because he's going to show me everything I need to know he's going to be my key whether it's a run or a pass I can tell sometimes by a stance pre-snap or post-snap depending on his steps if he, you know if he kicks steps or goes into a pass block I know it's pass or um, vice versa if he, you know blocks down it's going to be a run so that's basically what that is is trying to focus on a little detail specifically that way you see the bigger picture as a result versus trying to focus on too much at one time where you don't have uh, not even just a, a, a specific vision on on what you're seeing and you can really focus down. So hopefully that makes sense, but you're right. Coach Saban preaches that a lot and it's, it's, it's a great way to practice. You probably can use it outside of football as well, but yeah, see a little, see a lot, see a
3: lot, see a little. Christian Miller is breaking down Nick Saban quotes and I'm going to get him on the other side of this break. Somebody's got to tell me it is what it is and what that means. Can you guys <laughs> Ah, It's Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, back in a moment.
7: Two six nine. Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel's dot com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on the Jay Barker show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel's dot com.
9: Letter O. Hey,
3: back on the Jay Barker Radio Show and Network. I'm Matt Coulter. There's Lars Anderson, Christian Miller. Appreciate everybody joining us. I, it, it hasn't irked me, but the first time Nick Saban says it is what it is, I went, "What, what the heck do you mean?" Um, I, I guess it's it's very simple. Is um, that's what you got, and it's not likely <laughs> going to change. Is is, is 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 my definition,
4: or, or yes, exactly. It? Uh, it, it's really like kind of a verbal shrug. That signals resigned acceptance of an unchangeable situation. Wow, the New <laughs> York <laughs> Times bestseller comes through. And like, oh, and and wait wait. Down. Well, <laughs> you know I'm from Nebraska, and this actually this phrase has some Nebraska roots to it. Oh, and there we go. Chris, and and I, 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 everything I, I, good goes through Nebraska. Good. Well, I don't think this started. is not good. <laughs> this this is not good. I, I this this phrase is like right up there my most annoying phrases but it goes back uh according to the New York Times it, 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 the phrase appeared as early as 1949 in an article in the Nebraska State Journal where the author was writing about how difficult life was uh, in the frontier uh, living on the frontier of Nebraska and the 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 he the author uh J E Lawrence he wrote new land is harsh and vigorous and sturdy it scorns evidence of weakness. There is nothing of hypocrisy in it. It is what it is without apology. So that is where it comes from. <laughs> and then it, it's really been adopted by uh, people in, in sports because you're, you're, you're frustrated. You can't change the result. And you just say it is what it is. I th- that, that that's my take on it Christian. Uh I, I, I know Nick Saban he has a lot of pet phrases, a lot of things he says uh repeatedly
5: hmm.
4: and uh I, this is one of them.
5: It is and uh here it is. <laughs> it's stuck in my head now. No. I, <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right, Lars. And I think, you know, if you look at it with football, it basically applies to accepting a result. And knowing that you can't, like you mentioned, you can't necessarily change that result. So all you can do is move forward and focus on what's next. And it's basically the principle of the, you know, the what's next or the the play the next play because it is what it is. You know, it already happened. You know, you can waste your energy on looking backwards on something that you can't fix or you can put your energy um, in the present moment. And, and focus on what's ahead of you, um, that way it doesn't happen again. So that, that's pretty much what it is. But you're right, Coach Saban definitely has his little punchlines and his sayings that he sticks with that we, that we hear year in, year out. But um, those things still ring true, and, and, and they make a lot of sense to us players uh, when he, when he uh, enforces them with us.
4: And isn't what you just described kind of the core philosophy of his, of his philosophy, which is the process? Yep. and uh and, 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 and as a follow up to that, when did you first hear that phrase, "The process," and was it you know d- described to you by Coach Saban or is it just something that is so embedded in the Alabama program that you almost can't help uh, not to learn it just via osmosis?
5: I mean, you hear about it, you know, when you're on and getting recruited on, in the recruiting process, when you come on visits, I mean, you see it plastered all around the facilities, the process, and you um, you just hear everyone speak on it. Then when you get here, um, they basically ingrain it in you and uh, you learn quickly what it is. And And basically, it's focusing on what you can do um, every single day to get better and, and focusing on your job um, to become a better player, better person, not focusing on results, but doing what you need to do to be successful. Um, if you look at that in the game, that would be focusing on what you need to do to dominate the guy in front of you, not worrying about the scoreboard, not worrying about the result of the game, but taking it one play at a time and focusing on doing your job. And that's pretty much what the process is. And that's why we hear him speak on it so much, because, I mean, it rings true, you know, um, even outside of football, if you set a goal, I mean, you just want to focus on what it takes to, to get that goal. If you if you put all your focus on just the results, then you're going to be missing things um, in the process of, of, of the things that you need to do to get that result. So it's basically focusing on on all the hard work and effort and not the results.
3: The is what it is and the process. I'm going to try and add a little uh, humor to this. In the locker room, who did those best impressions, the best impressions of save and say and stuff like that?
5: Man, I I, I feel like – People have seen this clip because it might have been on ESPN, but uh, Rob um, there's a, a famous clip. We might be able to find it, but he did a really good impersonation of Coach Saban. I don't know. I think it was after a game. I don't know what game it was, and this was before I got here, but he does, he does a really good one. And He was on the coaching staff when I was in school here. Um, we could probably find that clip, but he does a really good one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think back of, of, of who else does it, but I mean – I think I got asked to do an, a, an impression of him when I was doing a, a speaking engagement a, a month or so ago, but I don't think mine was nearly as good as Rob. So, and I'm definitely don't ask me to try that on air right now. Please do not ask me that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to get a one-time exemption on that, okay? <laughs> oh. But you know, I, I think I've heard, and maybe it is the clip you're referring to. And Saban actually kind of enjoyed it and laughed at it. Now I don't know if he laughed at everybody that tried to impersonate him, but didn't he see it and think it was funny? I think so.
5: Yeah, I think he did see the clip, and it and it was it was pretty close. You know, Rob did a really good job, man. I uh, I hope we can find that clip because it, it'd be very entertaining to hear it.
4: Yeah, and um, th- that's a a side of Coach Saban that I don't think a lot of people ever see and that is the sort of joking side the, the the smiling side the having fun with his players side is is do you have a uh just a, a memory or a story of uh of coach Saban you know just sort of uh, cracking up with you guys
5: I mean honestly I mean it's, it's not like there's just like oh it's one time he did it that I remember because I mean he does it pretty often believe it or not you know whether that's Sometimes he'll come into a meeting and he'll kind of open up with a, 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 a little joke here or there. You know, pre-practice will be in our stretch routine and he'll walk around and he especially does it then. That's normally when he's in his joking mood, I would say is when we're, you know, we're stretching before practice and um you know, he obviously is excited to be on the football field and you know, he's in a good mood and he walks around and he'll crack a joke here or there. I mean, I'm sure you guys heard of, you know, Josh Jacobs spilling the beans on one of his uh you know, most used jokes, um, the whole D's jokes. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah. he's that's he funny, does, though. You, oh, you know
6: what?
4: My, my, my seven-year-old now does that joke. Really? So I got to – that's my it. only beef with Nick Saban is, like, my, my, kid, my kid does that joke.
3: Well, we had to just <laughs> instruct both of my grandchildren. He said, okay, it's, it's somewhat allowable around the house. Do not do that at school ever under <laughs> yeah. any circumstances because we're going to the principal. <laughs> office and you're going along with this but um you, you're right ab- ab- about that one the d's uh was yeah. pretty funny you know a matter of fact i'm smiling now it's still funny it is no pretty funny. it is funny it's pretty funny i
5: think i think people too they just forget you know at the end of the day you know he he is human and i know you know we see him um as this big figure with all his success and you know he's definitely um you know very serious and very tough but you know at the end of the day coach Saban's human you know you know he puts his shoes on the same way everyone else does and I think I think it's easy to forget that you know sometimes I mean even even now you, know, you got to think of, I mean he has feelings just like everybody else and and uh he's 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 a character man he he likes to joke with his guys and he likes to have fun he, he definitely he loves his players man He he's a he's a he's a definitely a, a big players coach for sure
4: And I think he just loves everything about being a head football coach. He loves coaching. And uh, he he loves, like, the grind of recruiting. Um, I I remember I was talking to an assistant a while back, and uh, gosh, I can't remember who it was. It was a former assistant, so he was allowed to to speak with me. And he was talking about uh, they were on, like, a, a marathon recruiting trip for one day, just flying around the country. And, uh, like, at the end of, uh, like, a 16-hour day, they were about ready to fly back to Tuscaloosa. I think they were in uh, Tennessee. And the coach, uh, this assistant, wanted to just stop at a gas station so he could just grab, like, a candy bar because he hadn't eaten all day. And <laughs> Saban, when he gets back to the car as they're driving to the airport, Saban looks at him like, Really? Really? You can't handle this. <laughs> like, And uh, and then when they landed uh, and, and, and Nick is about ready to get in the car to go home, Nick uh, looks over his shoulder at him and says, well, just another day in the life of college football. And at that moment, this coach told me, he said he had never seen a happier looking person than Nick Saban after this epic long day, epically long day of recruiting. Just loves it.
3: And most people would be looking for the uh, just be exhausted. Be looking for that bottle of Basil Hayden. <laughs> but I mean, he, he he's driven that much. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, again, that's Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. When we come back, I believe we, Christian, I think we found your clip. So we'll hear hear the Nick Saban impersonation here in a moment.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham.
0: At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Ted, wake up. Huh? You look exactly like me. I am you, Ted, from the future. You need to call Progressive 29. Tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 50. The high Friday at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Bits and pieces of it, you know. He doesn't like to do it in front of me too
6: much.
3: Uh, it's pretty funny, uh, but I think there's some language in there that perhaps the times we wouldn't want to air. So I don't think you heard the entire thing. But he's not bad. He's got a little Dicky Vital in it, though. Yeah. Did you know what that?
4: Yeah. No, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. Um, and, and it, 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 like I said, like I've been able to spend some a good amount of time around Coach Saban over the years. Uh, certainly not as not anywhere near like Christian, but um, he's he's just to me Christian. He's just he's different when you're just hanging out with him in his office, you know, than he is in front of the camera. And I, I've always thought that that believe it or not, this is just kind of my. You know, 10 cent psychological analysis of Nick Saban is that he's actually a little bit of an introvert, mm-hmm. and he and he's shy. And when he's speaking in front of crowds, I mean, I, I think that sometimes manifests as um, like I want to get the heck out of here because you, you'll see him before he steps onto a stage and he'll be looking at his watch he'll be tapping his right foot on the floor uh and he's just like he it's as if he'd w- rather be anywhere else than about what he's going to do and that step to a microphone and speak to a crowd of 200 people but uh it, it, am i am i totally off on that i mean it's certain po- it's certainly possible
5: no i i um i, I know exactly what you mean i mean but it's understandable. I mean, believe it or not, I know I'm doing <laughs> radio now, but I've always uh, gotten really nervous when it came to speaking in front of people. I remember when I used to have to do interviews in college, man, I would be so, I would be sweating, nervous, and uh, I hated every minute of it. And uh, just the more I've done it, I've gotten more comfortable doing it. But you know, maybe that's just not his forte. But I can tell you he probably in the back of his head is just, Thinking he'd much rather be, you know, watching film or coaching or teaching because that's just that's just who he is. He always is looking to get better, and um, I mean, he just spends so much time. It's really all he knows, and that's why um, you, you heard him say. I mean, he's almost um, worried about you know what it what his life is going to be like when he's when he's done coaching or when he can't coach anymore, just because that's all he knows. And um, you know, it's definitely interesting to see you know what his next steps would be after he's done coaching. Would he you know maybe join the media side? I know that could be a possibility would he just step into an off-field role maybe as like a like a senior analyst i'm not sure i definitely think he needs to stay involved with football though because um, i think the absence of football with him uh, probably wouldn't be the
3: best thing for him i just don't know if he would be a good tv a color analyst because you know what he doesn't have control Mm. you know he's got so he's got a producer talking in his ear he's got cameras he's got to look at the football part of it and the delivery, I don't think he has any problem with it. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine if somebody really fouled up and, and, and he ended up looking bad? Would you want to be that person? Yeah. And and I, th- I think Nick also realizes that, you know, you know what I think would actually happen? Miss Terry would say, now Nick. <laughs> you know, he, he, he does his show, his Nick Saban show but to me when i watch it he, he never really looks comfortable he's like christian and lars just said man i would rather be breaking down film or at least i'd rather be slinging christian miller around
4: the lake on the back of a uh, tube <laughs> yeah. uh, his enjoyment of fun he um he's done a really good job on espn when he has been part of their uh bowl coverage or mm-hmm. uh you know different segments on game day um, it would be great like if uh, somehow there could be a football czar created, <laughs> somebody who sits on top of the entire sport and, you got it, and, 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 and rules yep. with an iron fist. Um, but, yeah, doing the, the, the play-by-play stuff, I, I don't know if that would necessarily be for him. I go back to Bruce Arians. He did it for a year between coaching for the, the Cardinals and the the Buccaneers. And he... Uh, <laughs> He was teamed with uh, Greg Gumbel and uh, Trent Green. It was, like I think, the number two team for CBS. And the very first regular season game, it was only like six minutes into the game that he dropped his first F-bomb on <laughs> live TV <laughs> because uh, Ben Roethlisberger missed a read. And, you know, he he loves Ben because he coached him for so long. And he just said, you know, He said what he said, uh, and uh, that's when he knew that this was not going to work for him. And also what he didn't like, Christian, was – having to deal with TSA having to actually deal with uh waiting in line at airports and and uh, not because not, he's not, been on not, charter yeah not flying right. private yeah um you know it's uh it's it's a grind if you're going to be a, a play-by-play guy in the NFL wow. yeah 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 you bounce around everywhere
5: yeah and I was I was going to say I agree with you uh, Lars he, he has done a really good job when I've seen him you know do some pre-game segments on ESPN and um and, and speaking on his show I, I was wondering that too um you know cuz i've i've attended it a couple of times and i was always curious i'm like i'm i wonder if he you know enjoys having to rush over here after practice you know you know a day or two before they play a football game and and uh i think i was talking to some of the media people but what's funny was um someone called in not too long ago and and just says uh they opened their question with hey uh coach thanks for taking your time and doing this and uh to my surprise he actually um went on to say he really enjoys this show and he looks forward to it um, cause I think it just gives him an opportunity to just, you know, speak directly to the fans himself and, and, uh, give back to them. And, um, you know, it was actually kind of surprising to hear that, that he actually enjoys doing that show every week and looks forward to it. So maybe so maybe, maybe he, he could have a, a, a chance uh, at doing some media. We'll see.
3: I like what Lars is talking about. And I believe it or not, think this is a possibility, but we are in need of major direction particularly right now with the yeah. NIL and the, the you know the transfer portal and all that and, and, and the playoffs. Now, I still think Nick will be coaching when a lot of these decisions are made concerning those particular issues. But when it's all said and done, if they wanted to select somebody better than Nick Saban to be commissioner of college football, I'd like to know who it is.
4: Yeah,
3: uh, I think that is perfectly suited for him. I don't see him being able to hear two producers talking in his ear doing a football game and being able to go, he might pull up Arians. <laughs> nah, he,
0: he wouldn't do that. we back for another hour. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance. The fit specialists at the New Balance Birmingham Store conduct an in-depth analysis of your foot size, shape, and gait, determining the best New Balance shoes for you. Experience the difference of custom fit today at the New Balance Birmingham Store on Highway 280 next to Chick-fil-A.
1: The only way that you're going to have any kind of success in your life, you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal. How can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent, and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity, because that's what makes great things great—is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tide.
2: Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992
3: Welcome into the program, Lawrence Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller as we bring in this show. It's a pretty decent uh, Wednesday afternoon, some sunshine, some clouds, but about 50 degrees. I I can handle this. When it gets down to Nebraska weather, I'm not in. Um, Christian and I have often said that, you know, he's a South Carolina guy. I was born in Arkansas, raised in Alabama. I'm not really used to that stuff, and the cold that we got in the Ozarks when I was a child, I really don't remember. But um, as Lars has often said, um, he's never moved back. I'm never going uh, back. Never going back because I, I can't imagine. Of course, I don't know if you've ever heard, and I'm, I'm already getting off topic here, but um, Lars telling you about rolling up newspapers and, and
4: having a route when he was a kid. Yeah. Did you not
3: just fr- yeah freeze I, I, your I, I,
4: phalanges? The, the, the morning paper route, uh, so you get up at like 3.30, and uh, you, you put – Twenty layers of clothes on. It's uh, minus five, uh, and that's not windchill. That's minus five. Uh. There's a foot of snow on the ground, and I'm riding my freaking dirt bike <laughs> that has that has the the, the bags on it, right? Yeah, uh, uh, that saddle has the, that, yeah the saddle bags that has the, the the papers and and I would have to wrap the papers outside because they are delivered uh, uh, to a corner. That was uh, a few blocks away, and so it 's really hard to put the rubber band around the paper with gloves on, so you had to take the gloves off and it, it was just a miserable experience, miserable experience and then i 'd have to go and collect and the the money right go door to door every month and and uh, of That's course, the worst part everybody. of it. <laughs> my, going my to customers are so cheap, too. They wouldn't even give me a tip. Well, and I don't <laughs> imagine
3: that you lived up, you know, you lived in a poverty stricken area. You probably lived in a pretty nice neighborhood, it was decent, based on yeah. what I know. Yeah. So, everybody
4: should be willing to pay their paper boards, yeah. paper, especially but, with what you have to go through. Yeah, morning. and then long, yeah, long story short, is I'm, I'm never moving back to cold weather <laughs> climate because I, I and I went to undergraduate school at uh, St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota. And St. Olaf is on this big hill, right? And it's at the top of the hill. And in the month of January, I, I'm not kidding, uh, Matt and Christian, it was so cold. Like, you, you just, you, you don't go outside. You, you absolutely do not go outside. And just to get from my dorm to the cafeteria... I mean, it required a Herculean effort because you would just run as fast as you can because with that wind whipping up, I mean, it felt like it was fifty below. It's like going to school in Antarctica. You know, it was just <laughs> wow. miserable. And then, and then living in New York City, uh, the the wind really blows uh, up off. I was on the West Side, and it blows off the Hudson and and through those sort of uh, those concrete uh canals there right the the the, the blocks the concrete canyons and uh i I just had enough of it but then you know you move to the south and i swear something physiologically happens (laughs) like uh, your blood thins i I, I, christian back me up on this i swear something happens to your body because now uh, even today It's freezing to me. He's a bigger baby about
3: the cold having grown up in it than I am. (laughs) I was about to say, Lars, I can't And I'm a southern guy. I don't know
5: if I can back you up, man. South Carolina is pretty dang similar to Alabama. (laughs) I think I can probably count on my hands how many times (laughs) I saw snow growing up.
4: What was the coldest game you've ever played in? I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday about you weren't allowed to uh, wear long sleeves but uh, coldest game you ever played in college or pro?
5: Well well, pro uh, I mentioned yesterday that the Green Bay game was just miserable it was oh, snowing right, yeah. yeah but in college uh, I don't know what would have been the coldest I, I remember there was one year we played Mississippi State and uh, I just remember it was so cold everybody was crowding around the heaters on the sideline and we were basically fighting over who could get in front of him It was that cold because, again, Coach Saban didn't let us have our sleeves on. <laughs> so we were just sitting on the sideline freezing. <laughs> it was not fun, man, not fun at all.
4: You, you know, Christian, speaking of the NFL, I, I believe it was the NFLPA that came out, the Players Association, came out just the other day asking that uh, the, the turf be removed from, I think, five different stadiums mm-hmm. uh, because there has been more documented injuries on... Uh, it, it's the equivalent of field turf, but uh, it's a special kind of field turf, and the, the name escapes me right now. But as a, as a player, did you... Did you always want to play on grass? Uh, I just saw that that Joe Burrow was asked about it, and he said i love I love the turf because it makes me feel faster, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know if a running back would necessarily or a linebacker would feel the same way because you're you're hitting that turf pretty hard uh just w- what are your thoughts about you know playing on again this field turf? Which, by the way, was developed at the University of Nebraska. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, I to got to the slip Nebraska it in there. Did you prefer? Uh, I, I know you played on all all, all surfaces, but just mm-hmm. your sort of analysis of uh, grass, turf, yeah. grass versus turf. Yeah,
5: so I, I definitely prefer grass. Um, as uh, I think almost everybody in the NFL is you know agreeing to now. I think grass is just a lot more safe. Um, you know, earlier on when I was a little bit younger, I remember I'd play on turf, whether it was you know football or I used to play soccer growing up, believe it or not. And I used to actually like the turf, similar to what Joe Burrow was saying. I, I used to feel like I did have a little more traction in on on turf. Um, however, you know, as my career went on, I started to realize how damaging the turf was not only the the higher risk of injury but um you know just running on turf is so hard on your joints you know we always um mention when we do our fourth quarter program you know inside of the turf um it's it's common for guys if you've already had you know ankle or knee injuries um it's common for those injuries to flare up from running on that turf um, for whatever reason and uh, i think i think you mentioned the the slit uh, slit firm turf fields is is what everybody's going against in the NFL and uh yeah. Yeah, uh,
4: can you can you describe can you describe what the, the the difference between that kind of turf field is as opposed to just no, uh, field turf?
5: I'll be honest, I'm not too um familiar with the the key differences um in that um because I I don't I want to say I don't believe the Carolina Panthers we know we recently went to turf. I don't know if that's considered slit turf, but um I'll say the biggest difference between just grass and turf is grass is just a lot more natural, softer, and uh, you don't have to worry so much about. I know, you know, on turf, sometimes, you know, your your feet can almost get stuck in it, and that is usually how guys end up, you know, a cleat might get stuck in the ground, they might get folded a certain way, and their leg might be in a in a, in a compromised position, so that's one of the dangers, but also you just see a lot of non-contact injuries on that turf, and I don't know if it's... Mainly due to um, you know just like the quality of it and it's just not not as um, easy to plant on i'm not too sure i have to I'd have to look more into it, but I know as a player, grass fields feel much better on your body overall
4: did, did you ever play on a grass field where it was pretty clear that the opponent had let the grass grow pretty high to minimize uh, the speed uh, advantage that Alabama would have had? I'll be honest,
5: Lars, I don't think I inspected grass uh, close enough to
4: to realize that. um, I I, just noticed that. Notre Dame does it all the time. Notre Dame does it all the time. Baseball
3: fields are notorious for doing it. Um, Particularly, they'll water down the area around first base when Lou Brock – excuse me, nobody knows. Anybody remember Lou Brock? I do. Uh, Ricky Henderson, when a guy like that is, and they water it down so they can't get as fast a start. And then if you have a team that's really – it depends if they're bunt, they're small ball – You let the grass grow. You don't let it grow. But I was wondering, do you guys, I know you do because Nebraska had it. And, Christian, you weren't born. But when they first came out with AstroTurf, Mm -hmm. it was painted concrete. Yeah. But if you were a wideout, you loved it because you were fast. And Tennessee was one of the first ones to implement it because their track team was so good. And they would get Willie Gall. To come over. And they would, and that's one of the reasons why Tennessee was so good back then. But Christian, I don't guess you've ever seen that stuff. It was literally as hard as concrete. Players hated it unless you were wide out.
5: Yeah. You know, a lot of this stuff is, uh, you know, newer information to me. Um, Again, I didn't even I wasn't even familiar with people using that as an advantage to growing grass longer to uh, <laughs> have you at a distance. So that's news to me. That's that's crazy, because I'll be honest, I've never thought about that. I've always just gone out there so focused on doing my job and trying to help my team win. But I, I, I guess people are going to uh, use all the tactics it's- they can.
4: Yeah, yeah that's exactly it, it. It levels the playing field, so to speak, when it comes to speed, that's because right. it it does slow you down. The longer the grass, the slower your you know your quickness is going to be. Your forty times going to be.
9: Yeah, that makes that sense. Don't make
3: any difference if you're Derrick Henry. Well, I don't, no, he's no. pretty, <laughs> but you know the big guys like Earl Campbell grow the grass however you want it. I mean,
4: Earl <laughs> Campbell playing on that AstroTurf in the in the Houston Superdome. Uh, would you stand in front? Or of the Astrodome? Oh, oh gosh. I mean, but look at Earl Campbell today. I I mean, I wish he would have been able to play on grass. Uh, The greatest artificial turf comment ever.
3: Coming up.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham. Each week,
7: Each week, D.C. and Matt Coulter will go deep behind enemy lines on Saturdays during
0: the Tide Tailgate Show on 95.3 The Bear. 29 for tomorrow and Friday, the good supply of sunshine both days, the high tomorrow, 50, the high Friday at 53. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. There's Lars I Anderson, Matt Coulter, along with like Christian
3: Miller, as uh, we bring right in Jay Barker show radio so network here on this Wednesday afternoon. All. all right, quick story, and I know, as always, I'm dating myself, but there was a guy that pitched in the majors. I think I remember him mostly with the Montreal Expos, but his name was Bill Lee. And his nickname was the Spaceman, Bill the Spaceman Lee. He was out there. He admitted it. His teammates knew it. He was entertaining to the media. He's what we call, Lars, good copy. So one of the reporters in the area, this may have been when he was at Philadelphia because veterans had that horrible uh, green surface. But anyway, um, he was asked. He said, uh, so, Bill... um, What do you think of artificial grass? And he said, I don't know. I've never smoked it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is a quick-witted individual. Wow. You know what, Matt? So it goes. You mentioned Ricky Henderson earlier. Yeah. I have had this thought. This is really quick. He would be a great book. He wouldn't participate. I know that he would be the guy that would claim he was misquoted in his own book. <laughs> yeah. No, he he wouldn't participate. But but writing a biography on him has kind of intrigued me. Um, I think you should do it. I've got a couple of stories on my own, but uh, I mean, bring Christian
3: in here. Do you know Ricky? he's the all-time leading base stealer in the history of Major League Baseball. I do not know him. No, but but what there was there were a few teammates, and this will shed a little light on Ricky. Ricky, he was one of those guys that referred to him in first person. It's Ricky, Ricky, that, that's Ricky's helmet. Uh, that's, that's Ricky. Uh, so oh,
8: Hercules, 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 Hercules. He
3: he did that all the time. One of uh, one of this is mean to say even now, but one of his teammates said off the record. He said, "If Ricky were any dumber, you'd have to water him." <laughs>
4: Wow. wow, I didn't know that quote. <laughs> um, but but he was there's there's never been another player like him. No. And uh, I I don't know it, it's I, I'm in, I'm intrigued I'm intrigued. Let's just put it that way. I think right. you ought to reach out to him. I I, I well, yeah he would be the first person I would call obviously, um, and he would say no. But then I'd say okay, uh, well is it okay if your family members talk to me? And that's what um, my buddy uh, telling me. There's a chance. (laughs) Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, My buddy Jeff Perlman, who just wrote the book on uh, Bo Jackson, right? Uh, Gosh, and it debuted at number four on the New York Times list, I think. And my literary agent told me, "Ah, Lars, it's a regional book." (laughs) Thanks, thanks, uh, (laughs) Richard Pine. Um, No, I love Richard. He's he's great, but he missed on that one. Um, but but what, but what Jeff did is he called Bo and said, "Hey, I want to write a biography on you. It would be great if I could interview you, but I'm not going to compensate you. I'm not going to pay you. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I admire you. I think uh, your story really deserves a, you know, 600 page book. And Bo respectfully declined. But what Bo did, he said, "You know what? You can talk to my family. You can talk to all my friends. I won't. I won't put a stop to it." And um, and so, it, it, so it worked out for Jeff, right? And, and 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 it was just because Jeff showed him the respect of asking him beforehand. It's when you don't. It's when you do, uh, pull kind of an end around and you don't go to the subject first to let it, the subject know your intentions. And uh, I know Bo, he, he has said that he's not going to sign any copies of the book, but he's also not criticized the book, you know. And so I, and, 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 and I think that's a big reason why it, it, it's done so well. And, uh, and, and Jeff has been here in Alabama promoting it um, and all, all around the country. I mean, he's doing book signings out in L.A. that are attracting like 600 people. This is Bo Jackson. Is oh, which... Savage. <laughs> yeah, again. <laughs> What's he gonna make on that book?
3: Laura?
4: quarter million. Oh wow!
3: Not bad work, Christian.
4: If you can get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I, I want to do just a major topic shift here, and um, there is a uh, an editorial written in the Crimson White uh, just uh, the other day, and that's the student newspaper at the University of Alabama. And um, it was written by uh, Adam uh, Baranovsky, and um, it was, it's a really good piece. And he basically, Christian, his point was that it's time for Bryce Young just to call it sort of quits. And oh, okay. he, he should shut it down. He should shut it down for the rest of the season and just start preparing for the NFL draft. You know, he's everybody knows what kind of player he is. And, um, and, and, you know, just to, to prevent the possibility of a, of a catastrophic injury. And also, you would get the benefit of seeing what Alabama has in, uh, in, in Justin Milrow and Ty Simpson. You get them snaps. So I was just curious what your thoughts are on just that. Let's just keep it focused on Bryce and what you think uh, should be done.
5: I think that's ridiculous. Um I, I know people want to say <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I hate to say it like wide, that, but
0: wide wide world of sports is going on here. <laughs>
5: Thank you. That's exactly right. I mean, what is going on? I mean, look, I, <laughs> I, I I get it, you know, this season's slightly different than what we're used to here, but I mean, you got to understand, man. Guys are playing for a lot more right now. They they're playing for their teammates beside them. They're playing for the other seniors on the team. This is his last year arguably, you know, in a Crimson Tide uniform, you know, given that he's probably more than likely entering the draft you know just because they're not not necessarily going to the playoffs do you really think this guy is a competitor i mean we've seen this guy how competitive he is you see him in the interviews you know see his leadership i mean do you really believe this guy is going to sit out i mean that's that's not happening and i don't and i don't think he should do it and i know people might already have their eyes set on next year but these still these guys still have a lot to play for right now you know, they're playing for their pride. They're playing for their brothers beside them. They're playing for the name on the back of their jerseys, and they're ultimately playing for that, that A on the front. You know, they came here for a reason, and they're going, they, they, they want to finish that out. And, um, you know, I know people want to look ahead, but I don't, think that's, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think he should finish the season strong with his brothers and his teammates and uh, go out the right way.
3: Here's the deal, folks, <clears throat> and the reason that um, things are changing so rapidly in college football. Can he? Well, can he say nil? Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to play the last three games of my career. Oh, that's true. He uh, may be con- and, and contractually way, obligated I, to uh, uh, keep playing. You know, and, and while a lot of it's on social media and all that, but if you're not visible, you're not as valuable.
9: That's and the true.
3: nil people, and I don't know if they step up there. I don't know if there are clauses in the contract. But if you're not playing, you're not saying. So mm-hmm. I just, uh, I, I think that would be the first thing he would have to. No, the first thing he would have to address is that he would say he's too polite, but he'd say, "Hell no, I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not doing that to my teammate. I'm not doing that to me. Right. I'm so, I want to play. Right. Um, but don't you have to consider the NIL? Yeah, I mean you're you're their spokesperson.
5: Yeah, I, that's a good point, Matt. I don't I don't believe it, it. It probably could work like that, but for the most part, I don't think it does. I think there was a story about a guy for LSU, a quarterback um who had signed some nil deals uh before the season and he ultimately ended up retiring from football and uh, i think he pretty much ended up just keeping the money somehow or, or another but um I, I don't i don't think that would be the, the the case i think the, the like you mentioned the biggest deal is i mean we all know bryce Young is a competitor and there's absolutely no way i wouldn't call it quit but I, there's no way he's going to walk out on his teammates i mean we know there's a lot you know in store for him on the next level but this guy has given his all to this program. We saw how tough he is. You know, he, he suffered that, that shoulder injury. He, he very well could have took his time um, to come back from that just to make sure everything was fine there. But you saw it. This guy was ready to get back in action, and he was back before many other guys would have been. because I'm telling you once once you hang it up man you know you can't go back and do it I'd love to put on a crimson tide jersey again so you got to take advantage of these opportunities and I think these guys understand how important that is to go out there with their teammates every Saturday
4: What if Alabama plays in a mid-level bowl uh let's say it's the uh, I don't know the Poulian Weed Eater Bowl, if that still exists, <laughs> the Birmingham uh, biscuit bowl, Shreveport. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, should Bryce Young and Will Anderson play in that game? Do you think?
5: Oh, definitely. I, I think, and again, I'm I'm a little biased because I'm one of the guys that I always emphasize, you know, putting the team first and really going out there and doing your job to help the team win, and 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 listening to those guys. I feel like they have the same beliefs, and and knowing them, I just feel like there there's no way they're going to you know do that to their teammates. I mean. Could they do it? Sure. I mean, it's become a common theme in college football, and we're seeing it more and more each year. But um, I, I still just see them going out there and having one last ride with their teammates because it, it appears that it's very important to them to do that.
3: You know, Lars, uh, he may be like half our age, but there's a little old school in this Christian Miller guy. Uh, just a little I, bit. <laughs> and I, like, I, I, don't like, I don't like the guys that sit out. Um, you know, if they're injured, okay. That's, you don't want to jeopardize times two.
4: But right. uh, what, what about uh, the, the cautionary tale is uh, the tight end from Michigan. Uh, Jake Butt? Uh, Jake I think. Jake Butts. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, who would have been uh, you know, at least a second-round pick and, they, and just shredded his knee. And, but they, they I have, think that was in the Orange Bowl.
5: They have insurance policies now, too, just to mention that. Ooh. The- I'm not sure if you know you
4: that's not all that new either.
5: No, no, I'm yeah. not sure if you uh, remember with that. Right. But Alabama and they definitely uh, always make sure they offer the insurance policy to all their players. Um I remember that from my time here. There yeah, you go. Yeah, and
3: um you can get you can get large ones too. That's right. I mean like Is it Lloyds of London? The Lloyds Are they I think? still Is that is it? it, Christian? Lloyds?
5: Uh, I I believe so.
3: Uh, cuz will insure just about anything. <laughs> I mean
8: Seriously. Uh,
3: All right. Uh, That's Christian Anderson. Lars, I just called you the skater, (laughs) Christian Miller. I'm Matt Golder. I'll get my stuff together
4: here in a minute. Lars Miller and Christian Anderson.
3: (laughs) You know, once that gets buried in my head, I'm going to have to get a lobotomy. We'll be right back.
7: white glove type service, you'll love it. Again, it's behambroker.com. Sell your car through behambroker.com or 205-716-1269. and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to dot Cottage.com and order anything you want and type in J. Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The J. Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at dot Cottage.com.
9: letter O.
1: can do to help develop themselves so that they create value for their future and opportunities in their future as well as whatever their role is on the team You know, do it the best you can do it so the team has the best chance to sort of develop uh, the kind of personality as well as um, the intangibles that you need to uh, be a great competitor and um, look there's a lot of distractions out there And guys have to choose to focus on the right thing. Um, Can't worry about all the stuff, you know, you've heard me talk about it before, uh, external noise, rat poison, whatever you want to talk
3: about. That's Nick Saman, and I think he's talking a lot about the NIL deals there now. Hey, Christian, and I'm not asking you to deep dive into the Alabama locker room. I know you still got friends that are on the roster currently. But just overall, um, is this working?
5: You mean like the NIL system? Is it working throughout
3: college football? Is that what you're asking, Matt? Do you think the NIL so far has been a good thing for college football?
5: You know, it's hard to say because I'll say this. You know, my when I was getting my master's degree my fifth year, I actually did a project kind of going over um, – Should, you know, student athletes, you know, receive compensation and my argument was basically saying I don't think we should necessarily get paid but maybe have something like an Olympic model which is basically a name and image likeness system. I thought that'd be fair and then, you know, as we're here now and that is pretty much what's in play, I'm starting to wonder if, you know, that was necessarily the right thing to do or the best thing to do. I do think Student athletes should be able to capitalize off their name, image, and likeness, and you know it benefits a lot of people. A lot of people come from backgrounds where they can't necessarily support themselves, and granted, we do have all the resources necessary in terms of you know uh, living expenses and you know eating and having you know all those type of things taken care of. You know, sometimes those guys have families back home that can't give them the extra money that they might need to you know live a decent little. A life while they're away at school. So I will say I think it's good in that aspect, but I do feel that it's a little out of control right now. I feel like it should be monitored a little bit better. And, uh, and I think they need to, you know, look at that going forward to maybe put some rules into place to kind of get it under control because I think right now um, it's starting to be stretched a little bit to to give some unfair advantages to programs that are using it in a way that might be more su- uh, suited towards, you know, bribing guys to come to school there, whether setting up a fund that way. Um, they can, you know, they're using the NIL almost to buy recruits. Um, I don't think that's right. I think that needs to be fixed. Um, so ultimately I think – It's a step, it was ultimately a step in the right direction. They just didn't go about it the right way. I feel like they kind of just let the the gates open and just everything is flooded on in. And um, I think the sooner they clean it up, the the better off college football will be.
4: Don't you think that the number one factor, if you're an elite high school player, in determining where you're going to go to college is not the head coach, not the location of the school, not the academic support. It's money. It, you go to the highest bidder. I mean, it's just like uh, in in the real world, right? Like uh, it's amazing that this <laughs> has happened in three years. I know, I know, right. but but uh, it, it's it's the schools that and 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 the fan bases, frankly, that are passionate enough to throw money into a collective, and then the collective. Uh, doles out the money. I mean, you just look at what Texas is, is throwing at uh, Arch Manning and, uh, you know, apparently what Texas A&M paid for their recruiting class. Um, I, I, I don't know, Christian. So, something's got to change. It, it's, it's, it's not working. And I know that, uh, that, that Joe Manchin, Senator Manchin from West Virginia, and uh, Tommy Tuberville – uh, the great senator from Alabama, now the senior senator from Alabama, which is unbelievable, uh, <laughs> that um, uh, they're working on trying to craft some federal legislation. But it's going to be so hard to, to put guardrails on this. Right. But it's going to be so hard to get that passed because fans are what? Fans are voters. And it's going to be hard to get Uh, a consensus in Congress, I think, uh, especially in the Senate, to uh, agree on what is a fair uh, federal legislation or what what the federal legislation will look like. So I still think it's going to be wild, wild west. Anything goes uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, Unless perhaps uh, athletic directors could come together. I mean, I'm not even sure how how this thing gets solved because the when, once you uh, open up the the Pandora's box, it's uh, hard to get it shut. Well, the paste is out of the tube. You know, yeah,
3: and, and I don't know how you get it back in. But uh, I just see it another step towards having three or four major conferences. Because let's face it, and I did UAB football. People know that I I love UAB. They can't compete here. Uh, they're not a power five school. I mean. And, and I, don't you think it's going to lead to more domination by 64 school? Oh yeah, I mean, hey,
4: I think there's it's like a, a gold rush right now to get into the SEC and get into the pack or get into the Big Ten. Those are the two conferences that are going to be dominating college football for the next twenty, thirty years, and everybody is going to be elbowing and fighting and, and doing everything in their power to get to those two conferences. Um, And we'll see if the Big 12 survives. We'll see if the ACC survives. Um, You know, uh, there's just so much unknown going forward. Um, And and I I don't know, Christian. I mean, I I guess like the the macro big question is, is college football, is the state of college football in good health right now? Or is, is there a sickness that is infecting college football?
5: You know, I think that's a, a great question, and uh, I guess we'll just have to see as it moves forward. But I think it is just kind of you know disappointing to see you know where it's at now because it almost just this almost feels like you know they're just another branch of the NFL. I mean, it the, the transfer portal almost feels like free agency at this point. And uh, I mean, when I was getting recruited, I mean, I didn't think a single time about dollar mountains or anything. You know, I just wanted to go to the the best program that would set me up um for my future on and off the field and uh that's why i chose alabama i felt like they were going to put me in the best position to succeed on the field but it's, but also off the field um when i when i wasn't playing football and and that still rings true currently so um it's just kind of frustrating to see that you know now everything is just focused on money but you get it you know everything's a business at the end of the day but Ultimately, I I really hope that they can get everything in in control because I I feel like we are at risk for going down the wrong path if this doesn't get cleaned up eventually.
3: I read just the other day that there were more 8 million-plus viewed college football games this year than there has been, I think, ever. Wow. So the fans' eyeballs are, hey, it's Saturday. I'm watching my team. I'm I'm not really worried about who's selling Bojangles today. (laughs) Oh, wow. that's the that's the way the fans are. I mean, and for, honestly, on Saturdays, I'm not thinking Is about Bo that. Is Bo Nick still getting paid by Milos? That's a good that's a good yeah, question. I don't what know. A sweet deal. You're right, Matt. <laughs> People are going to watch. Right, I got a, a question I cons- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you go up, if you're a conference, you go up. I wonder if teams can go down. I want to ask you guys about that on the other side of the break. It's uh, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, and Matt Coulter.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar,
0: powered by Pepsi. If you have a community event in Tuscaloosa in West Alabama, tell us about it. All you- nine. For tomorrow and Friday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The hike tomorrow, 50. The high Friday at 53. I'm James Spam of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: There must be some kind of way out of here. Say that joke to the thief. Uh, You know, we've got guys that are doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. So we got to do a better job coaching them on what we want them to do. So we've got some really good players. Some of them are elite level role players that need to play, with, play their role, to be honest with you. Like, we don't need five guys on the floor creating offense for everybody. We need some guys to make shots, you know, be guys that play off other guys and do a better job of doing that. So we've got to do a better job convincing our guys that what their role is. You know, we've got to do a better job spacing the floor. Sometimes guys are just driving in the crowds. It's just low IQ bad basketball, to be honest with you. And we've got to do a better job coaching them on what's an appropriate drive when they need to move the ball.
3: There's Nate Oates following uh, last night's game down in Mobile as they defeated the Jaguars by a score of 65-55. Uh, it was a little bit sloppy. It was a road game, you know, considered that, uh, even though Nate takes his team to a major city in Alabama every season to just, for an exposure standpoint, allow the fans in some areas to attend a game that they might not normally get to. Uh, but one thing I did notice, guys, and we're, I, I got a feeling we're going to see it every game, they had 69 rebounds. I mean, good. Every missed shot goes to Alabama. I mean, when you're rebounding, do you know? I think I got that right. Will you look up my stat and make sure I'm right on that? Because that means you get 69 extra possessions. Oh my gosh. I'm used. I'm. I'm, I'm used to hearing teams get 40 and that's great. But we'll look up that in a minute. All right. Uh, question as I was referring to as we went into the. How many eight? 58. Okay. I went 11 over. But still, it's a lot of rebounds. All right. As we see Oklahoma, Texas, you know, um, UC, USC, UC, they're all in demand teams, right? As far as Power Five teams are concerned. If this realignment ever happens, are we going to see teams drop down? Uh, and have you got a couple at the top of your head without in- hurting anybody's feelings?
4: Boy, I'd have to give that some thought. I, I I do believe that there is going to be a separation at some point, where uh, a, a new sort of division will be created. Uh, now, it, it, that's pure speculation. Uh, it would ha- you'd have to redo the entire model. Uh, but what what's going on right now isn't working because we're just inching closer and closer to two, possibly three, super conferences. Um, and, uh, and and who knows how – and we're just talking about college football right now. We're not talking about college basketball. But, um, but that will
3: have its influence
4: for yeah, certain. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Kentucky, Kansas, very valuable commodities when you factor in all sports, right? Um, so I, I I don't know. But here's, here's – uh, just speaking of, uh, of of just sort of blue bloods of college football, here's one little stat that will give Alabama fans a sliver of hope about the Crimson Tide making the playoffs.
8: Oh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this is not this, even this, dumb and dumber this, worthy of – uh, so this, you're this, saying this, there's this, a chance. Yeah, this, this, it, it is a little preposterous. But okay, so as of now, uh, at this juncture of the season, no team has been ranked outside the committee's top 10 and made it to the CFP. Right. The lowest was Michigan State in 2015 and Oklahoma in 2019. And they both were ranked nine at this point. Alabama is ranked eighth at this point.
0: So you're saying <laughs> there's a chance. Well, no, there's actually no chance you're at all. Telling me there's a chance.
4: <laughs> no, there's no chance. But uh it, it's just sort of interesting. I mean, everything's sort of coming into in into view and, and, and last night um the the committee came out with their third rankings and the top five remain the same. Georgia number one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, TCU four and, uh, and those are the nation's only four uh, remaining undefeated teams and Tennessee, five. And the, uh, the uh, committee chairman, Boo Corrigan, who is the AD at NC State, uh, said that the committee believes there's been a separation with Georgia, meaning it's kind of like Georgia and everybody else. And I, I'm not necessarily buying that. I, I still think Ohio State... Uh, and they haven't been as sharp in recent weeks, but I, I think Ohio state is right there with Georgia. And if I were a betting man, and as you know, Matt, I am a betting man. Uh, I, I, I think, I think we're going to be seeing Georgia and Ohio state play for the national championship. That's my projection right now, Christian. I don't know if you've had a chance to really dig deep into the rankings, but, uh, what, what are your thoughts on uh, on, on where uh, the committee had all the teams last night?
5: Yeah, I, I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, my biggest thing is, you know, when Ohio State and Michigan play each other, um, obviously one of those teams will have to lose. You know, USC looks like they can go ahead and win out. You know, does that bump them into that fourth spot? Or, you know, that's, that's what's kind of confusing when you look at it that way, but you, you still have a – Tennessee with the one loss only being to number one Georgia at Georgia. Um, but I would say, you know, obviously Georgia definitely does look like the number one team. I, I feel like Ohio State will beat Michigan, so I'll leave them there at two. Um, if TCU wins out and Michigan loses, so I'd put TCU at three. That number four spot, if Southern Cal wins out, you know, do you put them there? Do you put a one loss Michigan there? Do you put the one loss Tennessee there? Um, it's just tough. But then you also have to look at what happens if – you know, this can happen. What if LSU wins out and beats Georgia and Atlanta, and they're the SEC champions? So you
4: got to put LSU. I know, I know that, there's never been a two-loss team in the college football playoffs, but if LSU wins the uh, – you cannot not have the SEC champ. But what if in, you have another team in there, though? I mean, wouldn't you have Georgia still in there even if they lost? Yeah. Right. I think Georgia's in pretty much no matter what. Oh. Well – but but you you make a great point about USC. Uh, does USC leapfrog Tennessee if USC ends up winning out and, and just has a one loss, but they're also a conference champ? Exactly. Now it, it used to be, it used to be that, and, and I still believe this is the case that they give weight. The committee gives significant weight to conference champions. That's right. And so. Uh, Although I think Tennessee would probably beat USC head-to-head, I think you have to put USC in at that point, Matt.
3: Oh, gee. But then you get into strength of schedule. One's Mm -hmm. coming out of the SEC. One's coming out of the Pac-12. Here's an interesting question, and I think it has value. And how much is the difference between Ohio State and Michigan going to factor in? Because if Ohio State lambasts Michigan, then I don't think Michigan – I think Tennessee moves up. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you have to factor all I think Tennessee
4: games. will move up to number four as long as they keep winning uh, after that uh, Ohio State-Michigan game. Michigan's a good team, though. They are. It's a good, good team. Physical. They can run the ball, and they have a very efficient quarterback. It
3: just it's hard for me to pull from Michigan now. Well, or Ohio State for that matter.
4: But I love best Ryan. helmets. I, I, best helmets in all of football. I like Ryan Day a lot. I really like him. Harbaugh, I can.
3: You know what? Whatever. Every time we mention Harbaugh, I have to point this out. The man drinks milk with his steak.
0: End of show. Have a great day. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance.